Please listen carefully. Hello and welcome to the Film Revere Podcast, episode number eight. This week brought to you by us, Film Revere Podcast and Audible. I'm your host, Zach Hamilton. Our guest for today's episode is award-winning composer Ariel Marks. But first, let's get into some industry news. Starting with some television news, we have even more reboots for 2018. CBS has ordered reboots for cop classics Magnum P.I. and Cagney and Lacey. CBS also has ordered a 13-episode revival of Murphy Brown, along with the CW rebooting the hit series Charmed. This is not even including ABC's revival of Roseanne, which is set to premiere March 27th. This sort of news has me puzzled. Either executives are trying to bring back flares of nostalgia, or, and I hope I'm wrong, lazy. In a business where there are hundreds, in fact, thousands of writers pitching their original ideas, it seems this year the television industry is more likely to greenlight a reboot. The backlash with regards to the reboots was prevalent on Twitter this past week. Daniel Feinberg of The Hollywood Reporter had this to say, We've passed the point at which this has become embarrassing to the entire industry. KSITV TV said, Good luck to CBS to find a Magnum P.I. that is as memorable as Tom Selleck was. I love the earlier reboot proposal about Magnum's daughter. At least that was something new and not a duplication. Moving on to some film news, 20th Century Fox's Maze Runner The Death Cure knocks Sony's Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle out of its first place slot at the box office, with $23 million earned from 3,700 North American locations this past weekend. Fans of the Stephen King's The Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep, are in for a treat. Warner Brothers has officially started production on a Dr. Sleep film to be directed by Gerald's game director, Mike Flanagan. Flanagan will once again be partnering with Trevor Macy, who will be the producer for Dr. Sleep. Last week, Tom Cruise revealed the title for the sixth Mission Impossible film on Instagram. The film will be titled Mission Impossible fallout he went on to say in a production still of him riding outside of a helicopter we've upped the ante for the sixth mission impossible i can't wait for you guys to see more the film had halted production due to an ankle injury cruise received during a building jump sequence august of last year yet with the latest post from cruise it seems all is back on track Variety is reporting that Netflix is in talks with Paramount to buy God Particle, the J.J. Abrams science fiction thriller that's the next installment of the loosely connected Cloverfield film series. The film's plot is as follows. After a scientific experiment aboard the space station involving a particle accelerator has unexpected results, the astronauts find themselves isolated. Following their horrible discovery, the space station crew must fight for survival. Great news for today's guest, her film The Tale has performed exceedingly well at this year's Sundance Film Festival. The film stars Laura Dern as a professor and documentary filmmaker who is a survivor of sexual abuse as she recalls what happened to her when she was 13. The Tale is based on the director Jennifer Fox's life. The subject matter of the film set against the current rise of the Me Too movement helped to make it an even bigger hit at the Sundance Film Festival. In fact, the film sold to HBO for an amount in the high seven-figure range. On top of distribution for the film, the tale will premiere along with an outreach program for victims of sexual abuse, which was one of the requests of the filmmakers. 
When asked about the deal, Fox had this to say. It has always been my intent to find an engaged distribution partner who deeply understands the wide reach of the project, not just as a film, but also for the impact it can have on a larger global conversation. She went on to say, In a world in which stories like mine have often been pushed into the darkness, no one has been better at shining a light on storytelling and important social issues than HBO. I am overjoyed to be able to take the tale out into the world with such a vibrant and engaged team. Now moving on to the trailer drops, the following trailers premiered this past week and are available to see now. Pacific Rim Uprising's official trailer 2 premiered. The film centers around Jake Pentecost, son of Stacker Pentecost, who reunites with Mako Mori to lead a new generation of Jaeger pilots, including rival Lamberts and 15-year-old hacker Amara against a new kaiju threat. Mamma Mia! Here We Go Again launched the international trailer. In the sequel to Mamma Mia, Sophie learns about her mother's past and how those relationships forged in the past resonate in the present. Andre the Giant documentary aired its first official trailer. The documentary film will provide a look at the life and career of professional wrestler Andre Rosimov, who gained notoriety in the 1980s as Andre the Giant. Netflix has released the official trailer for The Ritual. The film follows a group of college friends who reunite for a trip to the forest, but encounter a menacing presence in the woods that's stalking them. Lastly, Ellen Page's new film, The Cured, released its first official trailer. The film takes place in a world where a disease that turns people into zombies has been cured. The once infected zombies are discriminated against by society and their own families, which causes social issues to arise. This leads to militant government interference. Coming up next, I have an awesome interview with award-winning composer Ariel Marks for you guys and gals. Most recently, Ariel completed the score for two projects that premiered at the 2018 Sundance Film Festival. Jennifer Fox's The Tale, starring Laura Dern, Jason Ritter, and Common. She also did the score for Hair Wolf, a short film that takes place in a gentrifying Brooklyn. Outside of film, Ariel has assisted composer Marcelo Zarvos on Showtime's The Affair and Amazon's Z, The Beginning of Everything. Please keep in mind that this interview was recorded before Sundance Film Festival took place. That being said, it's time to take a quick commercial break. This week's episode is brought to you by us, the Film Revere Podcast. Are you a fan of the show? Do you want to be involved in the start of a community of film fans? If so, check out our all-new Film Revere Podcast Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmrevered. Here, you will find behind-the-scenes posts about the show, receive early access to guest announcements and episodes. You can also choose a reward, which will have me feature your name in a shout-out at the end of one episode a month. There are so many more rewards to choose from, so please be sure to check out our page at patreon.com slash filmrevered. Once again, that's patreon.com slash filmrevered. All right, guys and gals, are you like me and want something more than music to listen to during your morning commute? Maybe you want to start reading more, but don't have the time to sit down and open a book. Well, for people on the go, there's Audible. Audible offers over 180,000 audiobooks to listen to on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, Audible is giving Film Revere podcast listeners a slam and deal. Go to audibletrial.com slash frpodcast for a free 30-day trial and more importantly, get a free audiobook on us. 
Once again, go to audibletrial.com slash frpodcast. That's audibletrial.com slash frpodcast. Thanks again to Audible for their support, and thank you, listeners. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome to the Film Reviewer Podcast. Thank you. I would love to start by asking just what exactly got you interested in pursuing a musical career in the film and television industry? So I had always grown up playing lots of different various instruments. And so I was always writing music. It first started as songs and then writing more exploring instrumentals. And um, in my undergrad, I was exposed to a lot of other musicians. And when I was living in a house full of musicians, we were all kind of right. It was a little bit of a composer's collective and we'd all share ideas. And I was just pumping out a lot of different works then. And I realized that I was most inspired by some sort of visual element, so some sort of entry into um, a narrative, uh, a narrative inspiration. And so I started kind of scoring either still objects or paintings, or I started making little animations and shadow boxes. I just wanted some, some sort of narrative, um, multimedia world that I could kind of find my way into with music. And as I was doing that more and more, one of my friends mentioned that it was, um, that it's, it was starting to feel like it was music that could really be in a film. And, and it really kind of clicked for me. I hadn't, I'd always loved film, um, watching many, many movies, reading many books also, you know, I had loved the art of storytelling in all these different ways. And it just found like, seems like the perfect combination for me of, of being able to to be a storyteller with music, and so um, and so, I, I thought about that for a long time, and then I ended up getting uh, deciding that it was going to be a good idea to get my master's in music and get some technical and aesthetic training. So I got that as well um, in New York, and I just found my way in with um, with, with filmmakers here in New York, student filmmakers, and then they, you know, graduated and they started making bigger films. So it all kind of started from there of just really loving this connection between, uh, the visual and musical. You mentioned that there were films that you would watch a lot of books that you had read that kind of were an inspiration, if you will. Was there like a specific movie or a show that really set you on the path of being a composer in this industry? Gosh, I mean, hmm, that's a really good question. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't pinpoint it back to a single one. I do know I can pinpoint it back to a single group of musicians that I always, you know, okay. I, trying to think back of my my earliest memory of 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 being kind of inspired with visual media. And there's this group called the Tin Hat. They're called Tin Hat. They were called Tin Hat Trio, and it was actually. Um, one of them founding members is Mark Orton, who's a film composer. And um, so it's, it's a, it's a wonderful group of, you know, well, it varies, um, it varies with instrumentation, but it was a small group of maybe three or four, and then it fluctuates players and they would make these most, and they would compose for circus. They would have instrumental albums. They would, um, they've since worked on films as well, but what really struck me about them was how with such a small group of musicians that they could evoke such an enormous sound and such an enormous virtuosity. So they really ping-ponged and played off of each other. Um, and you could tell there was so much joy and vibrance in the way they were playing. And there was lots of in- improvisation and a lot um, matched with composition as well. And when that was all that playful joy in the music was tied into a medium 
a, a media world, you know, a story world, that to me was the, the jump off point. So I would have to say that that, that specific group and their um, experience with multimedia was really, really formative for me to learn from. It's, yeah, it's always great when you have like these more smaller groups, you know, that are able to evoke such a loud sound that it seems like there's so many more of them. It's It's a rare gift. There's not a lot of people that can actually pull that off, but... That definitely sounds interesting. I'll have to check it out, and I'll we'll leave a link to them just so listeners, if they're interested, they can kind of check them out as well because they sound like a terrific group. Yeah, yeah, they're fantastic. Uh, now, having only worked in the industry for just about over three years, I must admit your resume was pretty stunning when I was checking it out. So far to date, you've been involved in four television series, 27 short films, and six feature films. Now, I may be missing some there, but even <laughs> still, that's quite a lot of uh, filmography there. How did you realistically get your first start in the industry? Yeah. So it all kind of sparked from being in, um, being in New York city and networking with, with filmmakers in the, in the city as well. There are uh, quite a few film schools here, namely, um, uh, NYU Tisch and the Columbia, uh, school of arts and then SVA school of visual arts. And they all have, there's a pretty good synergy of, of the schools in the city um, and, and, and lots of different ways you can kind of meet up and, and find people you're interested in. So for me, my first, you know, when I was first looking for projects, I went to a lot of different screenings and just found and approached people with whom, whose work I resonated with. And, and then it moved from there. I mean, I've had, so that's, that's where a lot of my short film experience went has come from. Um, so, and then it's all just kind of moved up from there. And, and that's the idea too. And, you know, what's always been, at least in, in my generation of composers, kind of the biggest, the biggest goal is to kind of find your collaborators and then grow up together. So you kind of move through the industry together. And, and so finding, finding people early on has been really, um, really valuable and, and rewarding for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you want to work with someone that you can, you know, really have a good collaboration with, you know, especially as a composer, it's it's the main part of the job. So if you can find someone you mesh well with, then it's perfect to grow with them, especially if they're also as talented. So exactly. Now, what were some of the uh, challenges that you faced early on in your career, if any? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still facing plenty of them. But I mean, I think it's, it's, it's it's just making sure that you're getting in front of the right people and 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 finding the right collaborator collaborators. So, you know, the challenge is a you know finding um, finding work that you feel like you really resonate with um, and finding finding people you really work well with. And I I have been lucky in that a lot of the work I've done is is a repeat um, business is 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 an interaction you know a collaboration that. I had once and then we've, we've collaborated again and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this later, but that's how the, the tale came into my life as well. But, um, so, so that, and then also I think a challenge is as specifically as a film composer, you are also asked to do, you know, to kind of explore lots of different things. So lots of different genres. Um, uh, so kind of being as versatile as you can while also maintaining your own voice is, is challenging and, and, critical. Yeah. And then, um, I would also say the biggest challenge and then something that is, is a really great thing to, to be 
better at and, and to keep growing from is is being open to keep reworking your work. So it's not you're not just writing for you, you're writing for the story, you're writing for the director, the producers, an entire team of creatives. And you are, by definition, a collaborator. And so kind of taking your ego out and, and just trying to produce both the best work that you can in your voice, but also knowing and remembering that it serves something bigger. Um, so that's, you know, that's something, that perspective. And then just exercising the muscle of, no, it's actually great to open up and, and do surgery on your work and, and just to keep work, to keep revising and to keep pushing um, and, and to try different iterations, try different drafts. What happens if I move this music two frames to the right or left? What, you know, all, all just being open to kind of constantly, um, constantly keeping it open and, and shifting things around to see what works. Yeah, I think definitely starting out, it probably might be a little frustrating just because, you know, you're getting your start and then you have to rework things. But it definitely does open up the possibility of potentially getting even better work out of yourself, too, in doing that because you're constantly looking at your work from different angles. Sure. And there's definitely, you know, risk and, and definitely um, it's a loss of perspective is, is what we all go through. I'm sure working in, you know, when we're steeped mm. in projects. And so making sure that you, you know, step back, um, and, and kind of take yourself out and then come back and return to your work. And, and so that's really important too, is, is just taking a break and stepping back and reevaluating everything. But to your note on, on, on that also is, you know, I've also been, I don't think I would, uh, I wouldn't have written some of the music I have if I wasn't encouraged to or pushed to for some aesthetic reason and something that had to do with the picture. So it's also really exciting to kind of find find these little seeds um, in yourself that you you didn't you know that what you wouldn't have found unless unless directly asked to access you know and so it's also really fun to kind of yeah. grow alongside um, and and be pushed and grow because of someone else's suggestion. Exactly. Now, you had kind of touched on this before we started talking about some of your earlier challenges that you still face challenges. What would you say are some of the challenges you still face even to this day? Sometimes, you know, you have you have to turn something out overnight or you have to, um, you know, kind of rethink everything and then turn something in very soon. So you kind of have to learn how to get those creative juices running really quickly and efficiently, yet also still um maintain joy and authenticity and all that. So kind of keeping the right balance of, of all those, <laughs> of all those factors. So you yeah. can still keep doing your best work, but, but in, in an efficient manner. So I think that can be challenging, but you know, I, I think I'm, I'm getting better at it. And every composer I've ever talked to just says, you know, it's, it's just something you experience over time and you get better and better at over time. Yeah, I think that's most film or television industry. It's just usually very fast paced. And though you can be, you know, a terrific artist, it's like you, it's a mixture of being great at what you do, but also being able to do it in that time, you know, managing your time well, like you had mentioned. So, but obviously you're doing well. I mean, you've had plenty of work, so clearly you get the job done. So. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. And also being another challenge too, is just also, it's also that muscle that you have to build of, of, of being able to step away and, and come to grips with, okay, I actually might have to redo this entire thing, or I might have to look at this, this cue completely differently or my, and so how to kind of switch gears quickly and how to, um, 
how to not get too precious about anything and, and always keep in mind that it's, you know, you're serving something beyond your music. Um, and so it's just keeping, keeping that perspective in balance too. Yeah. And that's when, when both of those things are managed well is, you know, is when I, I think I've composed my best music, but it's, it's, you know, amidst all those challenges, it's also really composers talk about all the time, how it's kind of a lonely, um, profession you're in your studio all day alone you're you know any feedback any collaboration you're doing is likely um via email or a phone call and then every once in a while you'll get together and do a screening and talk in person but for the most part it is pretty solitary choice you're making and so all these collaborative experiences every moment in which you can kind of send your work out and get human contact back is yeah. is, is great um and it keeps you keeps you awake in there. Definitely. You know, something else I'd love to touch on for the listeners is the fact that not only are you a member of the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers, you're also the recipient of the ACAA, ASCAP, let me try that again there, Foundations. Um, <laughs> ASCAP. Yeah, ASCAP. There you go. Thank you. It's so much easier. ASCAP. <laughs> yeah. uh, Foundation uh, Henry Mancini Fellowship. How did you come to be a member of ASCAP and what was your reaction when you found out that you'd be the recipient of the fellowship? Sure. Yeah, so ASCAP, so there's um, one of three public rights organizations you can be a part of to collect um, to collect your royalties as a musician. And so mm-hmm. um, it's so it's one of one of three. And I actually so there's um, BMI, CSAC and ASCAP. They all have great acronyms. Um, and I chose ASCAP because I was doing a, um, I was selected to participate in a workshop, a film scoring workshop several years ago that they were, um, they were teaming up with Columbia university. Um, and in this workshop, they, you were selected by, they, so Columbia university selected six of their, through a, a jury. I'm not exactly sure how this happened, but six films were selected from that university that needed music. Mm-hmm. And then six composers, up and coming composers from the ASCAP community were selected to be part of this pool that the directors would choose from. And so I ended up, um, I ended up scoring a film for that workshop called Dear Mother, which actually leads me nicely to the tale. I'll get into that in a second. Um, but so it was because of that, that, um, that, that workshop that, that I was awarded that, that fellowship. And it was great. It was such an honor. And, um, and yeah, that whole, that whole workshop proved to be a really incredible opportunity for me because I guess I'll just dive right into it in the, um, in the short film that I did called Dear Mother, I met, um, so the, the writer, the, there it's co-written by and directed by Daniel Nixon and produced by Reka Posta and Reka was my ultimate connection to um, Jennifer Fox for the tale. So, so after I finished this short film, uh, Reka a few years later got back in touch with me um, about about the tale. So it was kind of you know totally wonderful and unexpected in that kind of that kind of story that we that I had always hoped would, would happen that these, you know, there was relationships we foster lead, lead to work later on. And, and it's, it's just all about finding people you like to work with. So that was a long answer to that. No, but but a good succinct answer. So, 
<laughs> yeah, and it does lead into what I would love to talk about next, which is the fact that, yeah, you most recently completed the score for two projects that premiered at 2018's Sundance Film Festival. Uh, you have Jennifer Fox's The Tale, as you mentioned, starring Laura Dern, Jason Ritter, and Common, and the short film Hair Wolf. What was it like having not only one film, but two films premiering at Sundance? Yeah, well, you know, I'll see in a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. It's, 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 it's surreal. You know, I, I, um, I haven't been before and I'm really excited to go and to meet, um, to meet all the other filmmakers and to meet all the other composers and all the other creatives on, on the production teams. And, um, you know, it's really, it's, it's something that we all, you know, everyone hopes they can, they can be at Sundance in some capacity. And this is, I'm, I feel wonderful about it. And I feel very, very proud about it. And I love that I have a short film in and a feature film there showing, you know, showing the, the different opportunities you have as a composer to be there. So I'm, I'm, I'm extremely excited. Yeah. I love the fact that you get to go because I had Ann Nicotin on the show uh, a while back and she was talking about, she missed two of her opportunities to go to Sundance for her first two films. And then she only just recently got to go to Sundance in 2018. So it's kind of great that you get to go like right at the beginning. So uh, I think that's awesome. You know, I'm mostly, I hope I'm able to get to see as many films as I can. I know that ticketing is pretty tricky, but it's, um, I'm most excited about seeing new content and just, and, and seeing what other people are doing and, and especially seeing what other composers are doing too. And it's always so inspiring and, and informative to see other people, um, and, 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 and hear other people and how they, how they solve the same problems you have in, in storytelling. And it's just going to be, it's going to be, um, an educational, wonderful experience as well. Definitely, definitely. What did you enjoy most getting back to the tale about scoring the tale? Yeah, it was it was a really interesting and wonderful project. I think um, you know there's there's a lot of music in it, and there's a lot of different music in it. And I think I enjoyed having such a wide, such a, such a an enormous amount of room to paint on. Yeah. So it was just having, and so many different, um, so many different aspects and, and colors of emotion that, that I, that I had to help tell the story with. And so for me, it was most enjoyable, just kind of sure, just being incredibly prolific with how many cues I would experiment with. And, and certainly not everything I wrote got used. And so it was, you know, it's just this, this, uh, again, exercising muscles, but, just this exercise and in, in, in churning out and creating ideas and, and seeing where certain themes go and seeing how your creative ideas evolve. Um, but it was a really wonderful experience. We, we zoned in on the palette pretty early on. So deciding what kind of instrumentation we were going to use. And from then, once we got the clearer broad strokes established, it was, it was pretty easy going and, and things, you know, it's, it's not an easy film. It wasn't an easy film to score by any means, but it wasn't, it, it, it was, it was a joy to be honest. It was really, you know, and especially the film itself and the tremendous cast and all of the other aspects of, of the film that make it so incredible. were just, 
you know, wonderful to be coexisting with in my studio. So it was, it was, I never had a moment where I wasn't inspired. It was, um, it was just, it was just very, very easy to get my creativity flowing. Yeah. It sounds like it was a really awesome experience working on that film. You had touched on the fact that it wasn't necessarily easy though. What would you say were some of the hurdles you had to overcome with the project? Sure. So I think one of the foundational, I know one of the foundational um, aspects about the film is, is memory and representing memory and the mechanics of memory. And um, so addressing the nuances of memory th- through music, and we ended up doing that through, and I developed kind of a layered approach to the music. So certain, it has lots of it's, it's a very layered palette. It has lots of little self-sustaining motors and motifs and, mm-hmm. and lots of, so basically in a queue, you can kind of tear apart all of its elements and they almost function perfectly well on their own. So it was, a, representationally, it was a lot about different threads of perspective and memory um, and all, all conjoining into, into a single palette or a single instance or perspective. And, um, and then a lot of that, you know, determining, depending on where we are in the film, the palette had to change and grow and evolve with us. And so not, you know, something I tried really hard to do was to make the score incredibly cohesive. So even if we were scoring two completely different moments, you know, making sure that the palette's not turned on its head, mm-hmm. that it's all part of the same world. So confining yourself to certain instruments or certain synths, um, certain, you know, trying to kind of recapitulate your material becomes really helpful in, in keeping that thread consistent throughout. Um, but it was, you know, and, and unfortunately we're talking before the film is premiered, so I can't say too much about it, but it's, uh, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a subject that has a lot of different, a lot of different aspects to it and the way it's presented and the way our protagonist, um, grows and evolves in the film is also very complex. So the score, you know, we had, it was challenging to keep it quite subtle, um, not too explanatory and, and to just kind of give, give the story room to breathe and, and assist it along, but not, not asserting itself too much. So, but it, you know, so, so finding that balance of presence or, or subtlety, uh, and then also just creating, creating a palette that had enough wiggle room to, to kind of, to, to move and grow in these, in these more abstract places. Yeah. What was it like working with Jennifer Fox for the first time? You know, it's always a learning process when you're first starting to get to know someone. And then it's it, it's it's imperative that you start developing a language that you then understand each other. And and that happened really quickly with her. And, and you know, the um, she had such amazing narrative insight in, into the film and insight that helps helped me, um, tremendously. It wasn't, you know, as, as a composer, you don't necessarily want to hear musical direction. You know, you kind of, the, the best, the best way to get into the heart of the score, or at least the first way to try to do that is to just be talking solely about, about story and emotion instead of, um, well, what if it went 
to this certain chord here? Or what if it had this specific instrument here or this or that? So kind of leaving leaving the limitations away from that conversation at first. And so Jennifer, mm-hmm. and of course, because it's based on uh, based on her life, she had this incredible way of talking about things. And, the in, you know, I had a direct relationship with the protagonist, which was incredible. Wow. You know, pri- privilege to kind of score from. So um, it was very personal and, and um just really, you know, she was great at inspiring me um, in all of these different these different ways, and just dialing in on on the the aesthetics that she wanted to tell her story. I love that. That's so great. And yeah, as you mentioned, like having it be a personal story, it just it's as that extra little bit of information that you can get from her, you know, and again, like in collaborating that it's like, all right, cool. So now I know a lot more than probably what some people might say if it was more of a uh, more fiction-based story, right? Where they're just coming up with the characters for the first time as opposed to actually living it. It was, so. yeah, and that's not lost on me how special that was yeah. um, to have to have that uh, conversation, that reality. What would you say, getting back to kind of like Hairwolf in the sense that, what would you say is the biggest difference in scoring a short film versus a feature-length film? Yeah, that's interesting. So, you know, a short film will probably be at, at most... 25 minutes, but they're mostly, you know, under 15 and sometimes even as short as four or five. So how to, and even in that short amount of time, there's also, it's, it's, you know, you have to almost say as much, you know, and, and directors will have a lot more to, and writers will have a lot more to say about how difficult it is to write a short film, but short films have to say, have to have a, a similar arc to a feature film, but done in a fraction of the time. So it's yeah. similarly with, you know, you have to have a, a comp- compelling beginning, middle and end. You have to have characters you um, you connect with and that you are devoted to and you want to learn more about. And so ha- having that all happen so quickly and having such a limited time frame to do that in is challenging. And so with short films, you you also end up having to to do that with music too. So to compress that with music. So for instance, in a feature film, you might think about writing however many cues, a dozen, 15, 20 different pieces of, you know, different themes. So I'm just talking about skeletal reductive um, melodies or chord mm-hmm. progressions or just the building blocks of all your cues. You might have upwards of 20 of those and then you pick from them and develop them and create a lot of narrative meaning from them. And with a short, you have to do that with much fewer tools because you have much less time. So it's about, it becomes about making a score that's not too disjointed. So it's not just all these different pieces of music that work in, in that work internally with this scene, but aren't cohesive as a whole. So it's, it's making sure that you're still creating that same cohesive palette, but just in a very short time and, and, and kind of how far can you stray from piece to piece with, with it sound, you know, before it starts sounding um, not cohesive. So it's, I think it's, you know, it's, it's the same sort of, it's, it's just less material, but just as much um, thought in a way, it seems almost a little more challenging. Yeah, it can be. It can be. 
So prior to your work on The Tale and Hair Wolf, you also assisted with the score on two television series, Showtime's The Affair and Amazon's Z, The Beginning of Everything. What was it like working on shows of that caliber? Yeah, that was amazing. So I was assisting composer Marcelo Zarvos. I was always such a big fan of his work. And I actually had been a devout follower of The Affair before I started working with him. And, oh, and so Z great. was a, yeah, Z was a new show um, uh, that, that he was working on in its first season when I just came on. So I hadn't seen it before, but, um, but it was really, uh, an honor and humbling to be in that environment. Um, and to, and, and much like my experience with, you know, with the tale of just being kind of just so humbled by the, the content you are, you're working on and yeah. you know that it's, like to, to be working on something you, you, you love that much, um, and that you, that, that is, you know, inspiring because it, because of all of the amazing professional, wonderful work that went into it. Um, so it was, you know, at, at some time starstruck that you're sitting with <laughs> this, you know, this time coded export of, <laughs> of the affair. And, and then also, so it's, so it was wonderful to see things, you know, from, from beginning to end. And, and also I got a lot of insight and I learned a lot about my own creative process. Um, by seeing the way, uh, how other people work and, and helping them, achieve how helping them work and helping them streamline their process. So I feel like I came away with a lot of really great, um, work ethics and tools and, and also to see that, that, so, you know, that the TV timeline is incredibly compressed and you, you, you have to be incredibly creative in a very short amount of time. And so also seeing that in real life, um, and seeing how that all worked and was being put together and being a part of that hustle was, was really inspiring and fun and exhausting and wonderful. (laughs) Um, so yeah, those experiences were really wonderful. Um, it's, it's, it just, that, that, that whole time with him was just, I, I was, I was so excited to just, you know, part of the job was coming in and part of this job is coming in to work every day and watching movies or watching television. And that's like, mm-hmm. how could you ever, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. And so it's, so just being a part of those, those stories being told, um, and that that's work and that's something you can do every day. It was just incredibly lucky. So, but yeah, that was, that was a wonderful experience, mainly just, also the experience of seeing seeing someone else work and, and helping their process and it's really nice being part of part of a team of people and knowing that um you know that that it all came together because of the work of, of everyone you know that that we all were a supportive team to help it happen and so I also liked that camaraderie as well yeah, and a little less lonely, as you touched on earlier, you know, with some of the other stuff that you've worked on, you know, the other projects that in this way, you're actually working on a team. So that's got to be nice, too. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely different. So you earned your master's of music degree in composition with a concentration in film scoring from the Steinhardt program at New York University. And you're currently an adjunct faculty. What is it like teaching students that are enrolled in the program about film scoring? Yeah, it's been, it's great. Um, it's, 
I feel really lucky to have to have been in the program. I I did really well in it. It gave me all of the the tools to jump off right out of school and you know, I I was there are so many moving parts in this profession and in this industry. So being and part of being a modern media composer is to excel at all these different um, in these different disciplines, uh, making yeah. sure that you are tech technically proficient, that you, um, that you are compositionally proficient, that you have enough training in composition and in music history, um, that you are, uh, that you are up to date with all of the technology and sample libraries available to you that you know about orchestration and recording and mixing and, you know, you know all of these because we all have, we're responsible for doing all of that now, um, for the most part, especially when you're just starting out and, and on these lower budget films, you are, you know, all of those aspects are, are, are expected out of one person versus as you get higher up, those things are, um, are delegated a little bit further yeah. as in anything. But, um, so it's great to be, you know, I'm, I'm not all, I haven't been that many years out of school, but it, it's still really great to be in a program that's still um, you know, constantly up to date with the industry. And so it's really exciting to be thriving in, in this, in this program where it it just keeps me and my art art alive as well. And it's really great to, um, to be teaching newer students who haven't ever worked with picture before or haven't worked with specific technology before or specific programs before, and to just see them gain their confidence and, and start using, start being able to realize their creativity through these programs. And, um, so it's been great and it feels really good to kind of, to give back and to show, you know, to be a voice a, a little bit farther along, um, that made, you know, made the most of the program. And I, you know, I feel really, really well armed to, to be in the industry because of it. So it feels great to give back in that way. Yeah. it's very exciting, you know, and, and it is great and almost, I guess, in a way inspirational just to see other people gaining, like you had mentioned that confidence in, you know, a medium that you're or in a career that you're well-versed in, you know, that you're working in. So just to see possible future people that are going to be working, artists that are going to be working in the uh, industry. For sure. And I think whenever you're around other musicians, you're constantly learning. And so I think, you know, it's, it's kind of a unanimous assumption that especially in this program's teachers learn just as much from the students and vice versa. So especially with, and now that the film music industry has become so diverse people from so many different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. you know, people with, without, um, without formal training, people who just grew up in bands or people who have complete classical training and, or people who don't even play, you know, can only tinker on the piano, but they're masters in sample libraries, all of these different, you know, on you know, ways into the industry people have come it's it's like we all have so much to teach each other um and exactly. and there's no one tr- no one training or background that's more worthy of another um so it's yeah it's 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 very neat to be exposed to to lots of different kinds of composers exactly what advice would you give someone looking to pursue a career in the film and television industry as a composer so the best advice i ever received and i think is responsible for where I am now is to just, you don't know 
you know, you just kind of have to jump in blindly to it. You don't know. There's no guarantee that any certain thing is going to lead to anything else. So to just making sure that your um, that your voice is is unique and that you have something indispensable about about you and the music that you write and um, and that the you know the opportunities will come in unexpected ways. To, so the the more ready you can to be to jump on those when they do arrive the better. So just, you know, and it really inspired me to zone in on my own specific talents to make a unique voice. So making sure that you have, you know, really develop what you love, really, uh, really pursue the aesthetics that you like and don't, and be bold about them because mm-hmm. you don't have to sound like everyone else. Um, so it's, I would just say tried and true method of just being yourself. Right. Yeah, but but yeah, but just also being being as arm you know, as prepared as you can in all aspects, technologically, um uh making sure that you're constantly watching and listening and absorbing to, to new films and meeting new people and 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 just getting ha- finding kindred collaborators that hopefully will will lead to other things. Definitely. So to close the interview, I would love to know what upcoming projects do you have in store for this year that you can talk about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, well, unfortunately, the, the extent to what I can say is that I have two feature films coming up um, that I'm excited about. And, and one um, you will hopefully be able to see in the first half of this year um so that's unfortunately that's all i can say about that (laughs) um but (laughs) but um but yeah i'm still working i'm excited um and and you know films that are that are pushing me to do lots of different different things so i'm sorry i can't say any more than that but you haven't you haven't heard the last of me yeah, no, and obviously we'll follow up, and if you you know want to share any, we'll share stuff on our Twitter accounts, you know, and check in with you a little bit later when maybe you can say some stuff just so that listeners can see what you're up to. So sure. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, and I definitely have a feeling listeners are going to hear a lot more from you. So. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, that's the end of episode eight of the Film Revere podcast. Be sure to show your support for the FR podcast by leaving a review on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you happen to listen to the show. Another great way to show your support is by getting a free audiobook from Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash FR podcast or by becoming a Film Revered Patreon at patreon.com slash Film Revered. If you enjoy the show and would like to ask a question for the podcast, feel free to email me at filmrevered at gmail.com. Lastly, we have VFX veteran and Visual Effects Society member Daniel L. Smith on the show next week. More info to come later. Thanks again from all of us here at Film Revered. Have a great week.